episode 62 with David Barros. In today's episode, I sit down with David and discuss the world of limitless knowledge sources, the dangers of information echo chambers, and the importance of finding middle ground when having discourse or debate. David also lends his advice for information consumption and creating a lens or filter for quality and useful information, which is very, very important for trainers and anyone just consuming content uh, in today's landscape. I also go on a, we'll call it passionate, rant a little bit about the importance of defining terms when having this discourse and debate. Because one of the one of the main issues I see with discourse and debate and just general conversation in today's age is the lack of ability to be on the same page from the get-go. So my take, well, I'll get into it. How about that? If you enjoyed the episode and would like to support the podcast, I would ask you to please head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast these days and leave the podcast a five-star review. Tell a friend about the podcast if you can. And if you're here from Instagram, what's up? Thanks so much for hopping platforms. I'm so glad to have you. And if you can, share a screenshot of the podcast on your story and be sure to tag me at Austin Current. And also be sure to tag our guest, David at d.p.barros. Enjoy the conversation. So I've actually started to uh, really, now that I've, we moved into a house this year and we're sort of staying put for a minute, um, as far as we know, obviously with through the, the pandemic and all of that stuff. So um, we, we know when we bought a house, so that's, that's kind of a move. Um, but two, knowing that we're going to be kind of ideally stay put for a minute. Um, so now I have an office which is rare. Um, I've been buying some stuff, you know, as you do. And, and so I got my standing desk coming. I got, uh, you know, I'm, I got my, my mic set up a little bit better. Uh, and I'm getting stuff too. And I, I got a webcam, um, sort of on the way to like get a little higher resolution on my, on myself here. And I like it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I agree. I, I've bought some really dumb stuff. Um, I, I, bought some leds to put around the desk and it's like at night i just i'll play it and it'll just randomly flash different lights and it's like this is so unnecessary but you know it's my desk it's my space like that's it i'm gonna set it up but um yeah agreed it's it's nice having your own kind of space and you do end up buying a lot of different bits and pieces to kind of make it a little better and then yeah it's uh it, it's fun i enjoy it yeah i mean i've had a lot i've had a lot of fun with it um it could be a money pit. <laughs> that's for sure. That's for damn sure. Thankfully, it is a write-off. Um, you know, if you do it right. So that's thank. You know, it's still money though. So oh, hundred percent. I think this laptop stand that I bought was like eighty dollars, and it's like it's great. It's it's very very sturdy, but it's like I surely could have bought one for like ten to twenty dollars, and it would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, um, you don't need you don't need that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, exactly right. But uh, my friend, uh, it, it's funny because he sent me a couple of uh, of pictures. I think it was from this Instagram page that um, basically just shows photos of everyone's uh, uh, desk setups and i saw one or two and i was like 
wow, like this looks so much nicer than just like my standard laptop on the desk. I have to buy more. So I bought the monitor, bought the stand, uh, bought a separate keyboard, bought, you know, all these different bits and pieces. And it's like, yeah, this this is worth it. <laughs> Dude, the monitor, the extra monitor, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, just between I mean, us and, and anyone listening, I guess, but I mean, having a monitor itself is a game changer. If you're just working from a laptop, go into a second screen, a monitor situation where you have, you know, two screens um, or just in general, you're, you're off of your laptop. You're able to sort of, I don't know, man. I mean, you're able to sit back. You're able to sort of have a different sort of work experience. You're not so hunched over and just kind of like confined it seems so yeah and it's like for people that wear glasses like us <laughs> yeah it's like sometimes you're, you're kind of like especially when i'm working on uh, on my programming and uh, looking at uh, google sheets for example you know half the time i'm really kind of leaning in and i'm like oh yep how many how many reps did you do okay excellent cool but here you know like i i just zoom it up on this big bad boy and i'm like yep sweet i see everything clearly like i've got my uh, second screen for any you know secondary items that you know might be important it's like just flicking you know back and forth between one and the other super useful i, I love it that's great yeah it's changed so I'm, I'm i'm working on a big project right now um i've been working on a book actually and um it's it's changed so i've you know i've uh, hours and hours and hours at, at looking at research and, and trying to, um, you know, as you write, you know, you have papers pulled up and you have, you know, you seemingly have 30 tabs open of different studies on one subject and you're trying to sift through them and you're trying to like have them on the right screen and you're trying to like have room to write. And man, like it, the workflow itself, um, it changes. Like if you are at home and, and you are, you know, as many of us are, and I think, you know, looking to um, looking to at everything, you know, online and, and trying to buy stuff, it's it's been pretty eye opening how much you can tell how much people are shopping for it. Right. Like everyone's almost homebound, which is an interesting place to be. Um, and, and I think that's one of the most interesting parts of kind of what's going on is all of these major. Right. I, I saw that, you know, uh, Twitter posted something about like the corporation posted something about you know all their employees work from home and they don't see that changing you know and that's such a big corporation right so it's like if that's the case what's this look like for people and like what's this look like for going back to work and what's this look like for for home situations and i know you, i mean you coming from like an osteopathic sort of physio background we'll talk more about that but i mean as far as setting up a, the right conditions for where you spend most of your time like that's a good idea yeah for sure yeah no definitely it's 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 funny that you mentioned um it's almost the norm for some people as well like i've got clients who are just like i see no difference to this current situation because i am home all the time i work from home everything is done you know from my study and it's just to me it's just mind-blowing how people actually like my sister works for from home as well and um it, that's all she does she just has her own little space and she just works diligently from there day in day out and it's like yep it's you know this whole quarantine situation is absolutely no different to anything else and to me it's just absolutely mind-boggling like I, I i drive so much between uh work so i'll have like work clients in the morning i'll then drive to uni 
which is, you know, on the other side of, uh, of Melbourne. And then I'll go back to work for afternoon clients. I'll then go home. So it's like I am constantly just like on the move and being different places. So, you know, quarantine was uh, definitely a, a, a big deal and a, a bit of a shock. And that's why now I've had to go, okay, well, this stuff is now useful since I'm going to be here 99% of the time. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely been interesting to say the least but uh, yeah having a good setup is uh, is definitely useful uh, speaking of i probably need to buy a new desk chair because this is hard as a rock but yeah we'll, we'll get there we'll get there yeah i know I, I invested in a new chair as well um so i found a really good company uh autonomous.ai okay yeah uh, they're i mean they ship free to the u.s i'm not sure about australia but um i, I got a chair from there as far as they've got a good setup as far as the the pricing and like what they charge for it as far as uh the quality of it and i mean you look at their like their chairs and you look at their like the standing desk i bought um you know it was like three hundred forty dollars for like a quality standing desk which if you've ever looked at standing desk prices that's like you found at the dumpster and paid a homeless person three hundred dollars for it because like yeah. normal standing desks are like you're looking at like a grand you know that's a thousand dollars um, and so, but I mean, this standing desk had like 1500 five-star reviews. Everyone's like, yeah, it's great. And it's like, all right, dude. And, and my chair I got from them, I was like, yeah, this is good. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I've actually been dealing with some like hip tendinopathy and, uh, that's, uh, I've been dealing with, uh, some different hip and lower back stuff. And I was just like, man, is it, I mean, through writing the book and, and there's through even being on my ass more than I ever was although I've worked at home for a long time, um, mainly being based online, it's been such, even for me, like someone who's been based pretty much online and at home for since 20, like full time since 2017. Um, but part, I mean, since 2014, part time pretty much, but full, full go 2017. So I mean, for the past three plus years, I've been really just at home working. Um, and, and it seems that over this period of time, I'm even more so on my ass, like, yeah, for sure. I'm even like, I'm leaning into the pandemic. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, don't know, man. man. No, I agree. I mean, um, I, I, I find myself and this is probably the, uh, during this period, at least it's been the, the most amount of time that I have been sitting on my ass, but, um, I'm, I'm really starting to kind of feel the pain now with, uh, with a lot of it. And, um, I can never understand. It's like, you, you hear it all the time and people will be like, you know, I get, uh, you know, really sore back or once again, like really sore hips when I'm sitting down for long periods of time. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, I never really experienced that too much. And it's like, because I was always on my feet, no matter what. And even in my, uh, my previous job, as a like a junior project manager slash contract administrator like even though a lot of it was office based like i would always be uh on site or on different working sites so i'd always be walking regardless i never kind of experienced that and then yeah it was like during this period i was like oh this is feeling tender oh this is this is feeling really tight yeah. like what's what's going on here so it's uh yeah new experiences all around which is which is great yeah so did you get into uh, kind of the osteopathic side, personal training side, kind of later on, or is that? I mean, is is was that your first go? What? what how did that go? Yeah, look, I, I definitely went uh, about this the uh, the roundabout way. I um 
I only started in osteopathy or even just looking at physical therapy um, as, a, as a career only, what, two and a half, three years ago. Um, so initially, uh, out, of, out of high school, I um, got into construction management, So, which was uh, just mainly because, like, my entire family is in construction and, you know, that was – it's basically in our genes. So, um, yeah, essentially started uh, – basically got into uh, – a construction management degree in RMIT at RMIT in the uh, in the city, and um, the main, I suppose, uh, reason for doing so is uh, I still remember. I think it was in year twelve. My uh, career advisor was like, "Oh, look, you know, with construction management, you can make like three hundred k a year." And I was like, "Wow!" I'm like, "That is that's that's a lot of money," and I'm like, "I I could use a lot of money." So I was like, "Yep, sweet. You know, that sounds like a, a great." Uh, career prospect and um so i got into the course and uh to be honest it's it's not what i expected i uh i not to say that i didn't enjoy any part of it but i think the uh the course content or maybe just the way it was delivered um just wasn't exciting to me uh by by any kind of stretch of the imagination and uh, i found it really hard to kind of really get involved uh with it so I ended up kind of uh, just doing enough to kind of get by the degree. And um, I didn't even want to kind of uh, dive into any kind of part-time role in any construction. I was like, you know what, just enjoy your time at uni, uh, party, work part-time, do whatever else, um, just enjoy the kind of process. And then once you finish your degree, get into the industry properly, get a job, you know, start and start seeing how you like it which is probably not a great way of going about it now that I kind of uh, look back in hindsight. Um, but, yeah, just, uh, you know, in, in the meantime, while I was uh, doing my degree, I was uh, obviously I was very sporty as well. I, I played soccer. I uh, dabbled in martial arts for, for a number of years. I was uh, in and out of the gym. I was a skinny boy regardless, but I uh, try, tried my best with, with that. And uh, with all of that, I was just injured all the time like week in week out i'd have a new niggle new injury new problem and it was kind of just like i was i was always trying to find a way to i suppose uh fix myself or try to find a way to to rehab myself and uh and try to get myself back to square one so in all of my time through uni and um you know, even through my part-time job, sorry to my old bosses, like I was always like on my phone just trying to research, you know, <laughs> how to get myself better, uh, I suppose, and look at different things like, uh, you, you know, what increases injury risk, why am I getting injured, how to rehab from tendinopathies and things like that. And I suppose I kind of just like fell in love with learning about it. I fell in love with anatomy, biology, um, physiology anything to do with the the body itself and uh, i found it so fascinating every, every time i kind of dived into a uh, a new topic and i still remember you know getting into the the construction industry itself i, I ended up going to a tier two uh construction company um as a junior project manager slash contract administrator I worked in a whole bunch of different um uh types of sites and uh like even even through then, like I, I really did the bare minimum because most of my time was <laughs> geared towards just researching um, all the stuff that I basically wanted to research. 
and uh, it ended up taking maybe one and a half years in the industry, which isn't a long time, but uh, it was enough for me to kind of go, this isn't for me. So I ended up quitting my job, uh, going to Europe for two months <laughs> and just like uh, enjoying myself, partying. Um, and uh, at, at that point in time, I really kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, yes, I was researching a lot about injury and injury risk, but I, I still didn't know what I kind of wanted to do going forward. Um, so, yeah, went to Europe for two months with uh, with a couple of mates, enjoyed myself, came back and found myself just kind of very confused about, you know, what I should do. And standard, I was in the, in a physiotherapist's uh, room one day and uh, we were kind of chatting about my injuries and he's like, man, like it seems like you, you really kind of enjoy talking about this thing and, uh, you know, you, from – even your limited experience, it sounded like you kind of know what you're talking about. Um, why don't you actually look into getting into physical therapy? And a light bulb just kind of went off. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Like I never really actually kind of thought of that. That's <laughs> that's great. And, um, yeah, I, I suppose I just started uh, kind of looking into that realm a little bit more, uh, looked into, you know, physiotherapy at the Trobe, looked into osteopathy at RMIT. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, osteopathy was just a little bit easier uh, to, to get into. There was kind of less risk involved with, um, you know, kind of chopping and changing between. So I think for physiotherapy, I had to go into an exercise science degree and then I had to get like a wild average because the course is so popular. So I think it would be like, you know, over 90% average uh, to be able to even just transfer in. So Ended up moving into osteopathy and, um, yeah, I suppose the, the rest is history now. I've been there for – I've been in uh, studying osteopathy for close to three years now and uh, I've just been really, really uh, enjoying the the entire process, which is, uh, is a nice change of pace from what I was uh, previously doing. But, yeah, and then I essentially used – coaching as a bit of a, a supplementary kind of uh, tool to just uh, help me out. And uh, it was probably the best kind of casual role that I could do at uni while still learning as much as I could, as much as I could uh, about the, the human body and whatever else, and, you know, dealing with clients and, uh, and things like that. So yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell and how I kind of got uh, into the industry and um how I kind of, yeah, just started off. And uh, I was very fortunate enough to, I suppose, start um, my personal training journey with uh, with a company like JPS as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically how I kind of got started with this uh, with this whole thing. Yeah, man. How did you uh, How did you get uh, linked up with JPS? Uh, well, well, I think it's a bit of a funny story, but to, to, to be honest, when it came to uh, PT, like the, the first kind of notion was that it was an easy, from from my uh, kind of outlook, it was like, yep, personal training will be, you know, a relatively easy job. It's flexible. Um, you know, I can get clients online. I can get clients in person, in you know, in live one-on-one, -on -one, and that'll be easy, sweet. And... I never kind of really considered it as uh, a potentially another part, a big part of my career. And so at that time where I kind of like, okay, what am I going to do between, you know, waiting for that uni course to start, I'll do my Cert 3-4. So I uh, started my Cert 3-4 and as for anyone who's 
worked uh, we was done their cert three for like most of them are very very uh poorly made to say the least like you do not learn anything there is uh, very little positives you get out of most cert three four courses so it's like look i'm not learning anything i've i've, I've got to do something that's probably uh, a little more conducive to to, to me building a solid knowledge base here and um I didn't even really know much uh, about JPS uh, at the time. Like I was just following their Instagram page and they just so happened to be advertising their, um, uh, at the time, it was their, so they got an online mentorship now, but then it was a, a face-to-face mentorship with like, you know, 12 to 15 people kind of thing. And Was that the um, same one that Martin and Lyndon were? Yeah. So they, were, I think that they were um, a few before, they were, they were okay, okay. in that mentorship a few years before me. So I was in a, in a later one with, um, you might know, Aaron Howie. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, in, the, in the same one as him. And yeah, I, I just remember at the time, I like, I really, once again, was in a kind of confusing spot where I was like, is this the right decision? Um, you know, do I really want to kind of go down this path? And then I just remember inboxing Jacob and I was like, look, just take my money. <laughs> didn't really know much about the company, just didn't really know much about, um, you know, what they kind of offered. I just remember seeing a couple of posts and I was like, yep, this is great. So gave them my money, rocked up on the first day and I was pretty much blown away at that point. I was, uh, I, I didn't really know what to expect and uh, didn't really know what to kind of think of the entire situation. I was like, once again, this was just me kind of like getting by. Um, so that was my thought process anyways. But then when I kind of got into JPS, uh, started the mentorship, you know, coming in week in, week out, I really started to learn uh, a lot quite quickly. And I was like, this is so much better than the third three, four, <laughs> but it was just Dude, insurmountably. It, oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, it was great. And, um, and the reason being as well, I, I feel like it was probably one of the first times where I really got questioned onto why I had a certain answer for things like my whole life, high school. Um, even my first degree was all about just, the memorization of facts and figures and it was just spitting out content and regurgitating things and i th- i can't remember if it was don or um or jacob who was taking that class at the time but i remember answering putting my hand up <laughs> answering a question and i was like yes sweet i got it right and they asked me why and I was like, yeah, what a terrifying shit your pants. Situation. Yeah, and I was like, why what? <laughs> and he's like, you know, how, do, how did you come to that answer? And I, I, I didn't have a good answer for that. And it, I think from there, it kind of just bit, it was like, okay, well, why did you think the way you did then? Like, what were you thinking of? Um, why was that an important thing to, to, to answer? And yeah, fr- from that, I kind of just started really i suppose thinking about my own thinking um and it was like okay sweet it's it's not just about yeah i suppose memorizing facts it's a, it's about actually understanding the uh, the principles and the the concepts behind um you know where you find those answers and putting all the pieces together so i think that was the first time i kind of really yeah started just questioning myself and my own kind of thought processes and from there, that's where I really started to enjoy it because I was actually having to think uh, for myself for once, which was uh, which was fantastic. So I did the mentorship for I think it was over twelve weeks, and yeah, by the end of it, 
obviously learned a lot, but there was still, you know, much to learn to say the least. And even now, um, but yeah. And then after that, I was like, like, damn, I've got to get a job here. So I basically just hung around like a bad smell uh, with uh, with Jacob, Lyndon, and uh, even Martin and a few others, um, you know, just continuously asking questions, just trying to pick their brains, I suppose. And uh, I think it was close to maybe 10 months after they finally had someone quit and uh, could, uh, you know, fill that gap. And, um, yeah, so I, I think I've been at JPS now since uh, November 2018. So just under two years now, and um, yeah, not not a bad place to uh, to start off my uh, my personal training journey. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, they got me a job, and uh, in, you know, in the meantime, I was uh, taking part in you know, say for instance, free workshops on the weekends. You know, just trying to to work on things like public speaking and and stuff like that. So yeah, like from there, just uh, trying to to learn as much as possible and just uh, you know, keep the ball rolling, I suppose. But um, yeah, that's I haven't really worked anywhere else, I suppose. So. <laughs> No, I like that, man. It's it's a good story, and I like that. Um, you know, I, so a big part of having these conversations is to sort of open up the dialogue. And one, I get to I get to converse and, and have conversations with guys like yourself. And, and but it's 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 really cool to actually hear people articulate and sort of go through their where they got or how they got to where they are. And you know, to start your career with a place like JPS, you know. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of guys from JPS on this podcast. Um, you know, I've had, uh, I've had Jacob on, um, I've had Lyndon on a handful of times. He's a resident, uh, speaker <laughs> on this podcast and I had Martin and Lyndon on at the same time, um, for a very good conversation. That was a two part, two parter. Um, that was, that was really good. And, you know, I, I like what JPS is about. I think there's a lot that's really good, about them and and one thing that really stuck out to me or keep continues to stick out is the ability to critically think and the ability to or the lack of nervousness to 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 live within the nuance and you know similar to you know Jacob kind of posted about this today right like getting stuck into these these places um, or these echo chambers where, you know, it's so common. And I, you know, something that Lyndon said on our episode with, uh, I want to say with Martin was, you know, people, I'm going to paraphrase and, and butcher what he, what he said, but um, forgive me, Lyndon, if you listen, but it's to be science driven is a good thing, but to be science limited or limited by the science or the confines of, of what you can understand within that or the confines of what that opens up. Um, and then the, not only to be science limited by the science, but also be limited by your echo chamber is a scary thing. And it can be, it can minimize your ability to learn information and, and synthesize information and, and actually be able to give credit where it's due and, and be able to expand your your thought process on so many topics, right? And I'm sure you're learning this with, there's so many different ways to attack a similar problem. There's so many different ways to think about these things. Uh, and especially as you get deep into the weeds, right? Deep into the nuance, it's like 
all right, we get macros, we get the volumes important, we get the frequency is important. We get that, you know, we get all these very foundational principles. We get these pillars, but once you build on top of that, man, like it's, it's important that you let in the nuance. It's important that we don't get stuck in these echo chambers. And one thing I've always really liked about JPS is I didn't feel like, you know, there was a period of time where I, I was nervous and I, I speak more or less now being able to look back, but I, I was nervous sort of that JPS was going to get into this, into an echo chamber, right? So the, sort of the associations with certain individuals um, that I, I respect, I mean, t I'm not saying I don't respect these individuals, but, um, you know, there was a certain amount of continual frequency of like, okay, this, we only have like these four people that we share their information or have on. And it's just like, man, like that's dangerous. I hope they don't get stuck into that. And they didn't, you know, and, and you guys don't. And I think it's powerful. So I just want to highlight that. And I, I, there's sort of that message there for the people listening to, to not get stuck into that echo chamber. Um, but one thing that I think JPS and, and I want to ask you uh, one, they're good. I think everyone who works there, um, that I, I know of and the company as a whole and the information you guys put out is kind of tells this narrative, but uh, this is a question I like to ask guys like yourself is basically what is your, do you have advice, especially going from the construction management uh, project management sort of realm and getting into the the fitness side of things a little later than maybe someone who's had this in their mind from the first you know first time they stepped on a university campus going into information consumption and creating a lens or a filter for, for sifting through quality and useful information so when you're if you can think back or even now like is there advice that you can have of, of experience that you've gone through of good ways of sort of taking in information and making sure that you have this filter because this is one thing that i think education does for us um this is one thing i think higher education does for people and you know there's a there's that giant argument right of you know university is a waste of time and higher education is a waste of money and time and in a lot of situations, I you know, I wouldn't even say a lot. And, and there are situations where that's true and there's situations where it's not true. You know, it's really easy to generalize things, but I think it's important that we don't and we see when it's useful. So I'm on the side of it's probably if you have an idea or a grasp or an intellectual curiosity or a hunger or a drive to to learn and learn how to learn, higher education is probably a good idea if you, you know, have any potential of paying off student debt that you may accumulate, right? So if you're someone who just never has, sees that happening, like you're gonna go to uni and you're still gonna work at a fast food chain, like, or you're still gonna like just twiddle your thumbs. All right, I get it. It probably is a waste of time. But if you have an intellectual curiosity, if you have a thirst for knowledge or a thirst for more or learning how to learn or being open to, basically present for these more intellectual conversations or these 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 chambers of, of critical thinking i think higher education is important so i think higher education acts as a filter it teaches you more or less how to filter information you know depending on your higher education experience but it seems the more you learn 
the more you realize and learn how to learn, right? So you learn, okay, if there's 90% of this is nonsense, there is 10% in here that does make me think about something. How can I, what's the lens I can basically take into reading that, that original piece of work? Um, So based off my ramblings here, do you have anything in mind um, yeah. for this, for this. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I firstly just want to appreciate <laughs> your level of, uh, of lateral thinking and you revi- you remind me very much of, uh, of Lyndon, how he kind of just starts to really draw into you. He'll, he'll pick up this one, <laughs> one little topic and he'll just roll with it <laughs> for the next five minutes. If you don't is, shut me up, great. I will go for 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No, which is, which is great. Um, I think for, for me personally, I, I think the, uh, one of the bigger mistakes I kind of made was actually um, not so much being in an echo chamber, but um, definitely try, definitely limiting myself to only one or two kind of uh, knowledge streams. I suppose it was uh, like when I first started looking at things, like my go-tos were um, like people like Athlean X. And, um, That's a bad echo chamber. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's the guy that runs... Um, uh, Supple Leopard. I can never remember. Uh, Kelly Starrett. Kelly maybe? Starrett. Yeah. 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 And uh, those were like my my go to sources of uh, of information before I even like started off uh, in the industry. And I was like, oh, you know, these guys make a lot of sense. This is great. Um, but then I started thinking about, okay, how do I uh, look at expanding my horizons a little bit? Like this can't just be like the only bits of information that I get. And I think it was from like reading a lot of uh, comments and, and insights from from other people um it was like okay maybe some of the stuff uh these guys know maybe that's not the be all and end all maybe there is um something that you know they like there's there's always going to be other people with i suppose like different interpretations of uh, certain topics and terms and uh, I, I think my my first bit of advice would probably be just go broad. And I think being able to kind of listen to a large variety of uh, different people and different opinions uh, is going to be, yeah, hugely important for you to start kind of understanding that there's not just one way of thinking about uh, one particular topic and that, um so I think a good starting spot for for, for me personally was, um, you know, being in the physical therapy realm was looking at sources of information, you know, that physical therapists would, would be able to deliver, whether it was through, say, for instance, Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, whatever else. Uh, I think people kind of really get... Um, it's really hard to just um, listen to one or two sources of of information and that's just mainly through what was it it was when i started looking at different physical therapists i think it might have been uh dr jared hall who really started to kind of uh open up my kind of thought process for uh how they think about a lot of different topics um so i think uh, when I first started, it was uh, a lot of like what you should do to reduce things like injury risk and uh, improve performance was like improve mobility. 
for example. And, you know, you start thinking, okay, sweet, like that kind of makes sense, whatever. Like I'll, I'll start incorporating uh, stretches, dynamic routines, all this kind of stuff. And I think it was uh, Dr. Jared Hall that um, made a comment that said, you know, like uh, something along the lines of like flexibility isn't, you know, that important. And it kind of just once again got me thinking. It's like, oh, well, you know, so many other people think it's important. Why does this individual think it's unimportant? Not so much unimportant or maybe uh, there's something else that you could be looking at or maybe there is – something more important to look at like let's say for instance load management for example um but i think yeah starting off by looking uh, for different information streams in your own domain is an important starting point so looking at those with you know very differing uh, kind of opinions and then even once again broadening your horizon to outside your i suppose current scope or or where you're kind of looking so looking at a number of um maybe different fields as well like as coaches you know for who you know a lot of the people listening here um a lot of the time they will end up just listening to other coaches which i think can really well, and while there's a whole breadth of different coaches with a lot of different thought process, I think that can really kind of uh, narrow, um, you know, uh, those information streams and how we kind of think about any kind of uh, scenario. So really looking at a number of different uh, fields can also be certainly useful. So looking at a number of different physical therapists, um, you know, following research or f- following information streams from neuroscientists, biologists, um, biochemists, um, you know, there's always a different uh, perspective that people from other fields bring to the table that can kind of almost allow for a bit of a light bulb moment for yourself, um, which I think is is very useful. Um, and it allows you to kind of question your own thought process. Like if you've been listening to the same one or two people for um, for a while, you know, you end up kind of generating this particular bias based on that information, that experience, that knowledge. And, you know, it's, it's very hard sometimes to get out of it. And it's like, okay, you kind of have to think about what has led me to thinking this way, what has led me to this point. So once you hear, you know, that differing opinion or maybe, an opinion that is um, or a thought process that's slightly different to what you're normally used to, uh, it can definitely open things up um, for you. So that would probably be, you know, one of one of the first things, just go broad and then obviously start to kind of hone in and narrow in on, you know, what information is probably going to be more useful for you. Um, who's trying to just get in all kinds of information sometimes isn't helpful. Um, but yeah, and then having having mentors as well has I find has been very beneficial uh, for me. And once again, it's like it's not about having you know one mentor because you do end up very much kind of taking on board a lot of you know what that individual says. And of course, you know that can be very important. But you know, for myself personally, I've got uh, many different mentors and uh, many different mentors in, in, in JPS alone and then uh, in, in, in other gyms and uh, from, you know, a lot of other different places as well. So, yeah, it's, it's trying to 
yeah, expand your horizon a little bit and look at many uh, other different individuals, I suppose, in a given field, as well as um, individuals from other fields that may have uh, different perspectives on on a number of different things. And uh, it's interesting that you brought up um, Jacob's post on on echo chambers, and uh, because we were discussing it, a few of us were discussing it last night uh with jacob as well and uh it's it, it is i think you use the word uh dangerous because it is inherently dangerous you know listening to the same group of people with the same ideas will only really kind of uh i suppose validate your own views your own values and your own beliefs and if you're only if if you're within a community that is only kind of i suppose uh hyping you up with that same kind of information then you never really are challenged you know they're only really confirming your own bias and it is really difficult to kind of uh being open to change if you have all of this reinforcement all the time um so i think it's important to have um multiple streams of information from many different people uh, just to always have something challenging your thought process and kind of going why are you thinking this way and if there is a differing opinion why do they have a differing opinion what you know what led them to that point and then you can go down the rabbit hole and, <laughs> and do your own research and kind of go okay well this is why they were thinking that way um does that change my own opinion Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, no, thank you. And that's so, you know, to, to extract that, go broad and then have mentors and have multiple mentors over the duration of you continuously going broad. And I think it's important to, to go broad and also have rabbit holes, right? Like, and I've had different rabbit holes over the years, right? Over whether it's, One's related to what I do for a living. So one's related directly to the training and nutrition or even going down the rabbit hole of training, right? So we go into programming variables. Then we go into exercise execution, exercise technique, which I'm a big, obviously, advocate for. It's a big part of kind of my social presence. Um, its impact on exercise selection, its impact on the ability to create tension, its ability to create a safer training environment, its ability to, and I can keep going on and on, right? And that's a rabbit hole I've gone down, but I've also been able to sort of peel myself out of it, which I think has been even more important, right? So I've gone down the rabbit hole and then I was able to sort of come back out, take a broader view once again, and I've refined sort of what did I gain from the rabbit hole? There's a lot of positives, but there definitely was some negatives. I became really biased towards this one thing. I became overly obsessed with either my own or others exercise technique or execution i lost sight of a bigger picture at times i lost sight of the fact that they were even training to begin with i lost like i lost the bigger picture and so if you it's important to to go i like how you put that and i, I think it's important to be broad and it's important that you have rabbit holes because rabbit holes have to do almost with that intensity dial at which you're attacking a piece of information or a subject matter, right? So it's like it's like the, the dial, I, I like how uh, Helms always puts this, it's sort of that, that dial that, that you can turn up and down when it comes to 
really anything, your intent or your intensity of dieting or training or whether it's being a competitor, being interested in tracking macros or whatever it is, right? You can always dial that up and dial it down. The thing is not to be sort of, not to create this black or white scenario, but almost to always live in the gray, always live on the continuum at some extent, but understand that dial is always going to sort of turn itself up, turn itself down, um, and that you have control over that dial. But when that dial's turned up for so long, right? So we are, we redline the RPMs for so long, you get lost in that endless rev, that endless redline situation. You get lost. And if you don't allow yourself to come out of that and then take a look at the landscape, right? Like I think one of a really good analogy, uh, you know, Lyndon made, I think it was my conversation with him and Luke, uh, Luke Tolick was kind of, Keeping your eyes on the horizon, I've, I've used this many times and I really like it, but you, keeping your eyes on the horizon, but keeping your head down maybe from town to town, right? So if you are if you have a end destination, you got to keep your head down to some extent, but it's important also to keep your keep a broad perspective. You have to understand where you're headed and understand that making sure you're headed towards that right, you know, the direction you even set out to, to head towards, right? So you can completely get sidetracked. Um, which says, I think is increasingly important. Um, I had a second point, but as I do go down these t- tangent rabbit holes myself in these conversations, I lose <laughs> I lose track of what I was getting. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's all right. Um, I, I did like how you uh, how you talked about rabbit holes. I think um, when it comes to something like rabbit holes, they can be. <laughs> Not dangerous, but it's 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 one of those things that you can be so uh, focused on all you know all the uh, bits of information that you collect along the way in that rabbit hole that you do very much lose sight of uh, of a lot of different things. And I, and I think uh, it was a great point um, that you made because I, I find that I on almost a daily basis I find myself caught uh in rabbit holes just you know going uh really really deep into a into a particular topic that it's like i i end up do like yourself kind of forget about all the other little bits and pieces that are incredibly important um and i feel like it i suppose you can relate that a little bit to how um i suppose other people kind of think and when when they're kind of being very narrow in their thought process as well because when someone is uh, only focuses on and this is why I kind of made the point of uh, of going broad but when someone only really focuses and hones in on uh, one piece of information or you know one uh, thought process surrounding a, a particular piece uh, or you know the sum of information then their bias really or or their how they kind of explain themselves will only really be based on um their knowledge on that particular topic and that's why i think going broad is incredibly important because you can um you can kind of uh i suppose dive into 
how other people uh, kind of think about a, a, a topic and it's not just uh, it's not like you have blinders on uh, anymore and you're just really kind of thought thinking of this in destination you can end up thinking laterally you can think of you know uh, you can apply uh, different solutions to different scenarios and, and and it ends up working well so yeah rabbit holes are great for I suppose really kind of understanding a particular topic and well but it does kind of i suppose narrow your view on anything else that may contribute to the importance of that particular topic I, i'm not sure if that made sense but <laughs> no it does yeah. and I, I think yeah so one i, re- I remember what i was going to say um so thank you for for allowing me to do that but you, it, you reminded me of it when you were talking but one thing before i do that and let's hopefully i don't forget what i my point was um, one thing before that was, you know, when I'm, when I've been writing this book, you know, so I've had to, it, it's, it's over the science of strength training and it, it's a very broad book. Um, you know, so it's written for a, more of a beginner getting into, or I'm into it, but I want to learn more about the science behind it sort of book. You know, it's written for that crowd. Um, those who would maybe walk into a bookstore and say, you know, I'm, I've recently started to train or strength train, but I don't know much about it and I, I want to learn more about it. That's kind of who it's written for. So what I've had to do is peel myself out of different rabbit holes, right? So I haven't actually had to sp- speak to a very broad audience in a le- like a long time, like a very long time. And so it's it's been a, a very interesting and, and challenging but rewarding endeavor because I've been able to take a step back out of these rabbit holes. I mean, be able to take a step back and have to touch on the beginner basics of talking about body weight, um, free weight versus machine variation or machine uh, sort of uh, ways of training, you know, with that different pieces of equipment. I've had to talk about, um, so the introductory of what's even, what's the beginning experience of a gym, talking about gym culture, talking about gym environment, talking about the beginning steps of gym etiquette, talking about like, right, so that if we're talking about you know, the overview, and then I'm getting deep into physiology. I'm going broad, and then I'm going deep into these rabbit holes about little sort of nuanced topics of sort of, if we're looking at broad physiology, and then I'm going into like more specifics on um, our current understanding of what hypertrophy looks like, the, the, the multifaceted sort of fractal thought pattern of what hypertrophy looks like and what strength training sort of uh, elucidates from the action of what we're doing. And then it's getting into uh, preventing injury, right? So it's getting into what are we doing to um, sort of work around injuries, work around pain and discomfort? What's the difference? Um, How do we strength train safely? You know, all these different things. And then really getting into the nitty gritty of like the broad of training variables, getting into, you know, so man, it's just been, it's been an exciting endeavor. It's been really challenging. Um, but it's been so rewarding to be able to have to be able to go back and revisit all these topics and be able to, you know, look at hundreds of different studies and look at hundreds of different people's opinions and read so many different resources and go back to the textbooks I haven't read since uni and do all these things that a lot of people, unfortunately, in their adult life don't get to experience. And honestly, if I didn't have to sort of do it to, to, do this project, I probably would have gone another five years without doing it or more. Um, so that's something I would really encourage people to do is to, you know, those listening is if you're in this, if you really care, 
go back, go broad, and then go into rabbit holes and d- dig back into uh, you know a lot of people's opinions. Dig back into textbooks you haven't opened up in a long time. If you think you understand a topic, go to the textbook, and I promise you, you'll rethink that approach. You'll rethink your understanding or the fact that you under, even understand a topic, right? So I, I you know, I, I've been on podcasts to talk about hypertrophy, muscle muscle growth, a little bit of muscle physiology, and then I have I bought a couple textbooks on on an entire you know 600 page textbook solely on muscle physiology i understood very quickly i don't know jack shit about muscle physiology. <laughs> you know like yeah i know yeah. some of the defined terms in chapter one and then they go deep for the next 500 pages and i'm like fuck me i didn't know any of this even existed um or i've heard that word before but i had no clue it had to do with that right um so it's important to uh to to crack back into those things. And my the the next thing I wanted to kind of talk about here um was the point I forgot. So I want to kind of go back and, and touch on that very briefly. But this is the other go broad. And this is something that I I talk to a lot of people about. And I I talk to a lot of people, whether I'm, I'm whether it's on a consultation with another coach or just in general conversation in everyday life. Go broad in your subject matter or the information that you're consuming. Right. So I had a conversation the other day with someone. And in that same conversation, and this is more of like how useful this, what I'm about to say is for what, how useful it can be for you. So I was in the same conversation, I was able to get a point across that I was trying to get across by referencing guys such as like Sam Harris, when it came to the, the, the sense of mindfulness or meditation or um, or that, that subject matter, I was able to uh, reference like Brian Cox in the in the world of sort of astrophysics. I was able to reference uh, Brian Green, same subject. I was able to reference uh, Randall Carlson, Graham Hancock in the world of sort of the environmental uh, impacts of um, evolutionary biology and in human civilizations. And it's just like, it's important that you go down these rabbit holes outside of your industry. It's important that you go into these rabbit holes, consume information. I'm not saying those, for me, um, just to kind of like allow people in my head really quick, um, for me to understand the the vehicle we're in every day. So to understand the mind, I think it's important to me. It is important to me. To understand where we came from is important to me. And understanding us as a whole, not only as a species, but how we exist in the universe itself is important to me. So every part of that human experience to me is really important. And so if I'm going into any rabbit holes outside of fitness, man, those are it. I'm going into astrophysics. I'm going into building my cosmic perspectives. I'm going into trying to wrap my head around the fucking idea of the universe and the cosmos in our ever expanding universe that makes no fucking sense to me, but I'm trying to understand it. And evolutionary biology, whether it's neuroscience, and then in the neuroscience, um, looking into, and all of that stuff, man, it's so interesting. And it it allows for a different viewpoint. And it, it for me, it's been able to build a perspective that otherwise was never there. It was able to, man, it's beautiful how learning more about the cosmos and the universe 
or learning more about where we came from as a civilization or as a species puts in perspective your petty problems. It puts in perspective your slight discomforts from a day to day, right? Like there's so many things that put things in. There's so many things that you can learn that help you through this life that we lead and the everyday sense of sort of existing where we exist. And the better you can build that perspective, I think that really helps us through this experience and ultimately enjoy, enjoy our everyday and moment to moment a little bit better, make this a little bit easier for ourselves. And then just to sort of embrace the awe and the wonder and the the absolute magic and the lack of any sense making that you can have about how we're even here right now having this conversation using the technology we're using, right? And so it's outside of fitness, like it's just nuts, right? And, and to me, that's what I wanted to mention about going broad. That's kind of like what brought that to mind is like, it's so important to go broad, not only within your scope, within your subject matter, but it's so important to go broad within just, if you have any inkling of intellectual curiosity, if you have any inkling of curiosity in any other subject or any other thing, like why does that work that way? Investigate it, learn it. And that helps build lateral thinking. It helps build critical thinking. And it helps you build an overall better perspective. And it helps you build better relate back to your subject matter, right? It helps you better understand people. It helps you better understand the culture. And this is the same thing I would attest to traveling, spending time in other cultures, spending, a spending time around people that don't give a shit about fitness. Like that's important too. Um, and talking about things you necessarily don't want to talk about. For me, that's politics, but it's important I talk about it. Not publicly necessarily, but within the confines of um, you know daily conversation or weekly conversation with friends. You know, it's important you have these conversations because it opens up your mind. It expands that sort of the horizon of, of what you can always relate back to and, and relay information to others. So that's what I wanted to get out that I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I thought, um, I thought you made some very, very interesting, um, points there and, uh, yeah. And, and I just, and I think you wrapped up pretty well, just how important kind of going broad is, but I also think you touched on, um, another pretty important point with, just how little we actually know about some subjects we think we know a lot about. Now, like yourself, I, I'm also doing a, a project for, for JPS, um, which is a, a bit of a book. And uh, one of the components was actually discussing um, health. And I was like, oh, yeah, we, you know, I, I know a lot about health. I'm, you know, in health and fitness as an industry. Um, we talk about it all the time. We talk about different aspects of health and, and whatever else. And um, when it came to actually kind of defining it, I had absolutely no idea how to accurately kind of define health. And it's mainly because, like, health is just a very – uh, non-specific and kind of vague umbrella term to talk about a lot of different uh, kind of aspects of, you know, human physiology and, the, you know, the presence and absence of disease, mental health, all, all these kinds of things. And uh, it was 
probably the wildest rabbit hole I've gone in, uh, in in a very, very long time, because from the outset, you kind of think, oh, yeah, I know plenty about this subject. And then you go into it and you really do know nothing. And um, I suppose in that process, I kind of uh, almost fell in love with um, definitions as well and just really kind of understanding what it is that someone's actually kind of talking about when they say health like it's like what do they mean when they're talking about health uh even when they're talking about injury like what are they actually talking about when they are talking about injury and it's it's always yeah i suppose my curiosity just kind of went wild um when when it came to when it came to looking at definitions because it's like even with something like a let's use injury as an example um it is very hard to, to define what injury actually is and in a lot of uh, different research articles like we, we talk about like reducing injury risk uh, all the time we talk about um, you know, uh, how we can, I suppose, prevent uh, injuries and, and, and things like that. But it's like in a lot of the, the research that discusses injury, like across even just the sports science uh, literature or like physical therapy literature, it, like a lot of people have very different ideas of what an injury means. Like some will consider an injury to, you know, uh, affect performance, for example, and it's like, okay, um, injury is something that, uh, you know, leaves people out of being able to compete or train for two weeks. Others have a different perspective where it's like not about a timeline thing. It's just like, is there the presence or absence of, of, of pain, for example? And, you know, they can use that as a bit of an injury. And then you look outside the scope of like, say, for instance, even just like sports science and physical therapy, and you look at something like biology, there's another definition that's different again and nothing like injuries is kind of talked about on a cellular level like you know you can have fatty change uh, damage to a cell for example and that counts as an injury so i think using definitions can certainly kind of help dive into i suppose um it, it can be a starting point to a lot of your rabbit holes is is what i'm kind of trying to to get at with that and I think when we look at social media and I suppose um, kind of absorbing uh, information from from other people, I think it's also important to kind of understand what uh, they're defining a term to kind of be as well. Um, and th that's just mainly because like definitions are a way that we can kind of reach a common kind of understanding and it allows for you know some some effective communication so if you're trying to absorb some information from someone and it's like let's say someone on social media um actually this is not a bad example uh, from i the other day i was uh, looking at um a post and they were talking about uh fatigue and in general they were talking about um how massage is uh, probably one of the best ways to reduce DOMS and reduce fatigue. And I was like, okay, well, what do they mean when they say fatigue? Like that's that's pretty huge if, if uh, you know, massage can actually reduce fatigue. So I was like, okay, well, you know, let's let's dive into this a little bit more. And uh, so that was another rabbit hole that I kind of went down. I, you know, tried to, I suppose, look at the study uh, that she was uh, talking about. 
And, you know, the way they uh, talked about it, like if, if we're looking at fatigue, it's, I suppose, the, the associated cost with partaking in activity, right? And if you're reducing fatigue, that means that generally speaking, your recovery process is going to be quicker and you are going to be able to train harder quicker. You're going to be able to train harder within, you know, a relatively short amount of time. So that's obviously fantastic. Um, but, you know, when you look deeper into the actual paper itself, what they did was that they split fatigue into two things. They split it into actual fatigue and perceived fatigue. Mm. So what they actually found in the research is that massage didn't actually have any kind of benefit to actual fatigue. So it didn't actually speed up recovery rates. All it did placebo was... Effect. Yeah, well, it was, it was a bit of placebo, but all it did was improve perceived uh, fatigue. So it was just the subjective feeling of how sore you felt, which by all means, like still has positives in and of itself. You know, if you're in a good mood, um, if you're, you know, you say, for instance, you don't have to worry about, you know, the crippling feeling of like walking up the stairs after like a ridiculously hard leg day, um, then that's, you know, obviously going to be beneficial, but it doesn't also speed up recovery times. But you know, for a lot of people, they're going to look at that and go, oh, sweet, you know, like to improve recovery times or to like decrease fatigue, I'm going to go get a massage. So I think it's it's important that whenever you're kind of going down uh, rabbit holes to, to start with kind of definitions, how is someone kind of uh, defining a particular term? How is someone, you know, what is someone's perspective on something, and I think that can be a, a very useful way of, of starting that whole rabbit hole process, and just defining things in general is, is is very useful. No, I agree. I would agree wholeheartedly there. And one thing I I, I really want to really uh, want to hone in on or or sort of highlight here is the importance of understanding first. Understand what you're talking about, right? So that goes back to definition, but that goes back like even to you and I, right? So if we were to bring up a topic, right? We could bring up uh, the impacts of massage on fatigue, right? So I've very recently gone through the literature on this. I know that a lot of that can be perceptive and a lot of psychological. I just went through the research. I just had to heavily research uh, sort of what, what we currently know about active and passive cooldowns, um, the impacts of breathing, rhythmic deep breathing on the autonomic nervous system, how that impacts overall sort of recovery and all of this stuff, right? And there's nothing, in, and I think one of this, this is one of the, the most challenging things about researching topics and, and gaining more experience in researching these topics, especially with the methods we currently have or the ways we can do that currently, right? So you just hop on PubMed, start going at keywords, trying to find, you know, opening up 20 tabs and you read through the abstracts, figure out like, what are we making sure, right? So that's kind of what an abstract is. It's, it's defining what the fuck that's even about. It's defining what you're even getting into. And I think in, it would be extremely helpful in debates in conversation to, almost have an abstract to the conversation, like have a prerequisite conversation to the conversation, especially if you know going in, you're gonna be 
discussing a topic, right? So this is my qualms with roundtables that I don't feel like there's enough time at the beginning defining terminology and figuring out what a common ground is, right? So we can argue till we're blue in the face. And then at the end of that roundtable, which I've seen so many times, is, oh, well, we we're, we generally are talking about the same thing. We just kind of thought about these things differently. And everyone's like, oh, man, like crazy. I just listened to three hours of you just yelling at each other. But by the end, you're like, oh, no, we're talking about the same thing. And I'm sure, like, again, your ability to to extract good information, like, you, I'm sure you still learn something during this roundtable, but it would have been a lot more helpful if at the beginning we almost we had an abstract, right? The moderator could sort of pose the hypothesis. The moderator moderator could sort of come up with a study design or around a conversation design of like how we're going to approach this, and then we sort of roundabouts bring upon a conclusion. Then we get into the paper, right? We get into the conversation. We get into the roundtable. And I, I think this is to any sort of conversation. And if you turn on any, especially here in the U.S., and I'm sure Australia is very similar around this time with the pandemic, with, you know, we have a lot of social unrest in the U.S. right now. And you turn on any sort of political or news outlet channel, which is basically everything at this point. Um, even if you get on YouTube, it's the same. I mean, you can't escape it even on Instagram, like you can't escape it. And it's essentially everyone yelling at everyone without defining what we're talking about to begin with. And it, without even having a conversation about definitions, having a conversation about what's being said, what's being talked about, right? And, and this is what we're seeing with, you know, literature coming out on uh, COVID rates and, and death rates. And I, I know that just sort of went viral as far as, the numbers that currently came out from the CDC. And it's and then we had to have the counterculture or the basically we had to have we had to have those who can interpret research fight against millions of counterculture who are posting it's it, it, it's so expansive. The the and again, I think a fractal is a great way to explain it. Sort of the nature of how this information expands at a rate that we cannot keep up with due to the way we communicate and how many followers, those who can't necessarily do this interpretation of very difficult research, the, CD, the numbers that are the very difficult uh, literature to read, very difficult data to even wrap your mind around, right? And, and I've, you know, it, it, talking to my buddy, Miguel uh, Blacute, like such, has such as, you know, his head in the data, whether it's uh, you know very computational thought process, very um, and he, you know he talks a lot about being able to read these uh, these data points and being able to read these studies and being able to to better interpret this uh, this information, right? To know what it's sort of first understand what we're talking about. And I, I love that you brought up uh, sort of the definitions, right? And I, I know I'm taking a little different approach, but it's important that we. We first define what we're talking about. And this goes in any conversation. Um, this goes in any sort of round table. This goes to any debate, right? And I, I, this goes to anything, whether you're grabbing coffee with a friend or you know, talking with friends or, or a colleague about something that may be controversial, it's extremely important that you first define 
what you're talking about to begin with, right? Can we agree on, and we even see this like sort of within our industry, right? Um, around sort of uh, nutritional people, we would very quickly label zealots before we even hear them out, right? So my current sort of, uh, again, like the the blanket or generalization that I think a lot of the preventative measures or approaches, even maybe I would say from an osteopathic physiotherapy um, point of view towards, let's say, strength training, right? Talking about the woo-woo of mobility, talking about all of this not all of this stuff that cannot be ignored and should not be ignored, but it is ignored by the general mass because they're told to ignore it because it's not volume, right? It's mm-hmm. not this or that, right? It's not adding sets every week. It's not adding loads to the bar. It's not whatever it is, right? And and the same, like I have almost the same counter argument for supplementation. I get their zealots. I get there's this giant industry for selling supplements that you get a giant ROI on for selling, but that doesn't mean you can just blanket. If someone gives you supplement advice, run. Like that's terrible advice. Like supplements are there. Supplements are so useful and supplements can vastly change someone's life, right? So what if you suffer from a neurodegenerative disease? What if you suffer from uh, a traumatic brain injury. What if you suck? Like you're going to tell that person that taking uh, nootropics and fish oils and like all these different things, things to to minimize inflammation in the brain, things to minimize all of these things, maybe replete depleted neurotransmitters, replete enzymes, um, and like all of these things, right? You're going to tell them that you're going to generalize and blanket statement this as, oh, run right? Terrible advice. And I, I think that's dangerous. And I, I think that is something that spending time in other parts of the world, spending time in other culture, spending time in other subject matters opens you up. And here even, even hearing debates, man, and uh, I've listened to a lot of debates recently um, in subjects like, uh, let's say, evolutionary biology or, or um, sort of the impacts of environmental causes over history towards civilizations and, and all this stuff, right? So the same things pop up, right? So it's humans having a conversation or a debate with other humans. It doesn't matter what industry. People won't listen. They won't begin the conversation with understanding where each other are on the subject, and they won't establish where the common ground is. And so by default, we're already... 10 seconds in behind, right? We're already not talking about what we could be talking about. We spend the first hour of a three hour debate trying to understand or getting to the point where we understand that, oh, we are on, okay, we are, we agree on that. How could it, how did it take an hour to say, we, oh, oh, we agree on that? Like we should first establish what we agree on. You should first establish common ground. You should communicate. You should, f- find that middle ground, that common ground, and then you should define terminology. And I think this is a part of found like fundamental communication. And that's why I'm so glad you brought it up. Obviously it caused what just happened um, in terms of my thought process, but um, (laughs) you can tell I'm passionate about it, man. And it's, I think a lot of things get lost and I think a lot of things get, we enter into this 
very dogmatic way of thinking. And we create these dichotomies um, around these subjects that are very hard to overturn, right? Because you have people in the industry that you may respect. And if you're unfortunately in a dangerous eco, uh, echo chamber, you're gonna, if you're in any way out of that echo chamber or going against the grain or sort of a, a heretic that goes, is presenting an alternative theory that also has logic and rationale to it, that you're a zealot or you're a charlatan or, and again, like, I'm not even saying this out of experience. Like, I really haven't been called those things, thankfully. But it's unfortunate that I know people that I know have some, something to offer and really could change how we view something very serious that we all debate on a daily basis that aren't being listened to because they may have an alternative way of looking at it. And it, it's just that itself to me needs to sort of, we need to take a step back and not lose sight of, of those very fundamental ways of communicating to begin with. No, I agree. And um, I think that's why I find social media <clears throat> so frustrating at the best of times because a lot of the time people are arguing points that uh, are completely separate from, from one another. And it's like all it could have taken was quite simply communicating what your idea or what your perception on a particular topic is defining it and then the other person or the other multiple people i suppose doing the same and it's like sweet now we have a, a common understanding of what is actually going on here and now we can discuss uh the i suppose the intricacies uh, a little bit more rather than just kind of going at this back and forth. And I think the, the round table uh, example you uh, spoke about is uh, very, very common because you see it all the time in round tables where people are yeah shouting back and forth with one another, not really contributing anything. And then it's like at the end, it's just this whole source of frustration where you're kind of just like, well, you guys weren't even on the same page. And I think that's why... Not that I put out too much content, but whenever I kind of, uh, whenever I do attempt to put out any kind of content or I'm writing an article, I find it imperative that I very much highlight what my working definition on something is. If I'm talking about uh, detraining, what is my thought process behind detraining? What do I think detraining is? Or, you know, what uh, definitions do I at least agree with? Or, you know, that uh, I, I currently agree with? And then I can talk about that topic. Um, if I was to, to, to just use a term in its general sense, not explain myself, and then say, for instance, put out content, of course, you're going to have a whole bunch of people not understanding what your actual stance is on it, and it can easily be attacked. But yeah, I think with anything, with with any kind of information that you're at least putting out there, or at least trying to communicate, I think it's yeah, in, in, incredibly important that uh, you define what exactly it is you are talking about, because that just opens up uh, so much opportunity for actual productive uh, discourse and discussion. I think we are very much limiting ourselves when we are vague, ambiguous, and uh, not able to kind of really um, be specific with what we're actually trying to, to talk about. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating, definitely. 
yeah, you can hear my frustration. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I agree, and I and I, I share that same passion. It's uh, it's something that I, I see so often uh, throughout uh, this industry in particular, and it's it's why I I don't actually put out a lot of content because I'm so kind of focused. Whenever I do try to put out uh, content. I end up in all those rabbit holes, like, what does this mean? And who does this, you know, what is this going to mean to different groups of people? And, um, you know, how do I kind of try to uh, develop these points to make it understandable and can potentially yeah, bring up some sort of uh, uh, discourse or at least get people kind of thinking, okay, this is his viewpoint. This is my viewpoint. Why do these differ? And, you know, then you can actually have something productive out of that. But, um, yeah, so, so social media, of course, you know, given the given how um, limited it is with uh, being able to kind of communicate information, I think obviously a lot of uh, um, what people are trying to say can get lost, which is, you know, acceptable. We only really get sound bites of uh someone's idea or um you know their uh, stance on a particular topic so it, it can be a little annoying but you know you even see it in articles where people are very vague ambiguous and uh, it, it makes it really hard to kind of understand what exactly that it is they are trying to communicate and i think that's where you kind of get a clash with a lot of different people where it's just like it, it just ends up becoming a screaming and shouting match rather than an actual um yeah productive kind of discourse which is annoying <laughs> It is annoying. It's frustrating. And there's so much of it that could just be fixed with fundamental communication, just understanding what are we talking about? Like, where do you, where do we, where, where may we agree? Right. And, and if you have something that I just passionately disagree with, one, why do I passionately disagree with anything that you, that you care about that much? Like, what is that to me? Why do I, why is that why is that reaction elicited within me, right? Why am I that? Because that sort of defines bias within myself, right? So unless it's, you know, something just truly unjust or doesn't make sense and shouldn't be done to other people, okay, that's a working understanding of like, don't do that. That's terrible. Like no one should do that. No one should think that way. That shouldn't be done. But if we're talking, but clearly that's like way above fitness, right? That's way above the rationale of, of what we're talking about, right? So if it's a certain way, of t uh, you know, a certain sort of tribe that someone relates to or uh, gives themselves to from a nutritional aspect or a training aspect, like we all feel, we're all sort of, you know, I, I think tribalism in, a, in a, the same extent, right? That's sort of that echo chamber. This is your tribe. This is your people. This is your language. And when you, cro when you cross tribes or when you travel, you come across a different tribe, you come across a different echo chamber, you're bound to crash, you're, you're bound to clash, right? It's almost, it's almost human to do that. Like of what that, you know, what, what makes sense to me, but what also is human is to communicate and to hear them out, especially since you speak the same language, very important. Something that those people long ago didn't have the luxury probably of doing is having the same language, right? So they just initially were just like, I don't know you. I can't understand you. I think you're trying to kill me. I'm going to kill beat you, you with a club. <laughs> right. That makes sense. But yep. now that we are advanced, we can communicate. We have similar languages. And if we even don't speak the same language, we thankfully have the internet to translate these things. 
and we can figure it out, right? So I have a very large international following. So I get a, a lot of messages that are in different languages, whether it's a Middle Eastern language and or uh, a language that you may find in South America um, or parts of uh, Europe. So, you know, a lot. sometimes I have to, you know, I have to go to Google Translate and translate a question. Um, and then it may not come out to even make sense, right? Because like, that's still faulty, right? Because you don't, it's, you're missing context. You're missing uh, the the way articles are used, right? So the, the way the language is, is used and it's totally different sometimes. And so it's like, why did Google Translate put a the at the end of the sentence, <laughs> right? So like, you know, like stuff, stuff like that happens and you're just, but if, if it just completely can discombobulate you in, in being able to answer this question, but it's important to, to sort of get to that point where you can at least find a common ground of like, what do you want? Like, what are you asking? You know, like, let's try to simplify this. What are we talking about to begin with? Um, so very, very important. Obviously, I'm very passionate about that. And I'm, I'm glad we could share that conversation. Yeah, no, that was good. I um, I also think you made uh, a, a great point with um, the being frustrated with, I suppose, someone else's uh, viewpoint as well. I, I, it, it's very if one thing I feel like I kind of learnt um, along this still very fresh kind of process um, and, and learning about you know bits of information was to not actually get. I suppose, emotionally attached with pieces of information. I mean, I think it was, I think this was in my one of my lectures not too long ago, but uh, they said that 50% of what you're basically being taught now will be wrong or different in the next 10 years. And if we were to relate that to our industry, for example, only a couple of years ago, we thought of hypertrophy, you know, we thought the the different mechanisms of hypertrophy was surrounded by um, mechanical tension, sure, uh, metabolic stress and muscle damage, that they all contributed in some way or form to hypertrophy. And it's like now that information is is different. It's shifted to now, okay, now it's mechanical tension is the main driver of hypertrophy. Uh, metabolic stress might be like, you know, contributory and the muscle damage is just like an unfortunate kind of consequence. It's like information is always kind of changing and it, it, knowledge is, I suppose, a bit of a an iterative kind of process that, you know, we're always going to go through cycles. It's always going to be maybe something uh, slightly different every kind of time. And we're always going to kind of edge closer and closer to the truth. So there's a lot of people out there that really kind of um, listen to something, will take on board, you know, uh, some sort of information and will really kind of emotionally attach themselves to that. And they really kind of close off anything else that might be, I suppose, uh, somewhat useful or any kind of different perspective. Um, and it's not to say that you can't have like a strong opinion on something, but, you know, at the end of the day, because things are always changing, it's important to be at least, I suppose, somewhat open to that and, yeah, just uh, able to kind of understand and take on board that, you know, information is is, is forever changing. Uh, the world is a very dynamic, uncertain and bloody chaotic kind of place. Like you're never going to have um, an exactly truthful 
answer. We, we can only try to get, you know, closer to the truth every time. So, yeah, don't get emotionally attached to, to, to information is probably uh, something that I've, I've, I've learned to kind of deal with. I think at the very start of my journey, I would get very emotionally attached to um, in, in, in certain topics. And, you know, with uh, if someone said this, you know, uh, who I might say, for instance, have uh, put on a pedestal in the past, I would be like, yep, whatever he said was correct. Nothing else is, is, is kind of right. So, um, you know, over, over this journey, it's, it's, it's been interesting to kind of be able to just take a step back and go, okay, maybe that's not the case. Maybe that's not right. Take that information with you. It might be important with, you know, say for instance, putting together some pieces of the puzzle. Um, but there's a good chance you might have to get rid of that piece, you know, down the track. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that I've tried to learn uh, to do. And even with, say, for instance, my own coaches, um, like, say, for instance, not to say, like, I obviously respect a lot of the JPS coaches enough, uh, enough. I respect my JPS coaches uh, very much. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if they provide like a, a piece of information or a source of information, it's like, that is all it is at the end of the day. It's like to, to, to take something as gospel is, is, is not useful. Take that information. It can certainly be useful. Um, but don't, yeah, try not to apply uh, an emotional context uh, to that. And it's like getting angry just because someone said something or, or, or anything along those lines uh, isn't useful either. There's, there's always a reason why someone says something and uh, try to understand it. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes, it won't make sense and that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, try, try not to uh, attach that emotional um, kind of viewpoint to any kind of source of information I think is, uh, is certainly useful. I think it's a beautiful place to end and I, uh, I couldn't agree more. And I've, that's something I think just comes with maturity. I think it comes with having conversation. I think it comes with communicating and just learning how to communicate better with people. Um, and yeah, it's a beautiful point and I think it's a great place to end. Um, and so where can people find you? We'll do all that. Um, so yeah, where can people find you, learn more about you? Um, I know you don't post a lot, but where can they find you regardless? <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, I'm at d.p.barros, B-A-R-R-O-S on Instagram. Um, that is where I post <laughs> most of uh, my stuff. I also do a lot of blogs on the JPS. Uh, well, I will be doing a lot more blogs on the um, uh, the JPS website as well. Um, if anyone does, you know, obviously have any uh, further questions, you can find me at david at jpshealthandfitness.com.au and I'll be happy to answer any kind of questions. Um, but yeah, that's basically where you'll find me. Awesome, man. All, this, all that stuff will be in the show notes. Um, I will say David does have some really great blogs on JPS's website, um, along with the rest of the crew from JPS, which you guys know. Um, I do respect, and I appreciate the conversation I've had with uh, many from JPS. Um, I have a soft spot for Australia from my time living there, um, and that was a very intimate year of my life. And so I have a soft spot for Australians, um, for Australia as a whole. Yeah, um, I, I hope, I hope to, um, you're a funny bunch, but I hope to make my way back, um, as quickly as I can. Um, I've actually started to, um, I'd at some point I'd probably talk to you. I'd, I talked to you, Martin and, um, Lyndon. I know my, this would probably be more pertinent to Lyndon and Martin, but, um, 
as my I'm pursuing obviously uh, 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 not even obviously I don't know why I said that I'm pursuing uh, I basically moved this year I bought a house yeah. to pursue um, my master's degree and mm -hmm. that kind of got interrupted by COVID um, and the pandemic and so I've put that off for a year I've deferred um, I still plan on staying here for that but there are there are sort of line items up in the air um, if that is what is going to happen or not. Um, and so I may be looking elsewhere uh, for that. And um, but yeah, that conversation will be at a later date. David, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. It's been a pleasure. I just want to appreciate the conversation. Um, obviously, this is I never know where these episodes are going to go, where these conversations are going to take us. But I'm appreciative that we, we had the one we had today. Awesome. Thank you very much. Hey guys, Austin here. Thank you again for listening into the episode. It means a lot. If you can, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review. This does help us grow and be found by others. Also, just wanted to mention, if you guys are interested in free education based around training and nutrition, be sure to check out physiquedevelopment.com backslash free education, where you'll find free downloads, videos, articles, etc. No strings attached. Again, thank you. Chat soon.